The Dave Nemo Radio Show and Pod Wheels powered by Radio Nemo are in Columbus, Ohio for the 2023 National Truck Driving and National Step Van Championships, hosted by the American Trucking Associations. This is a special podcast series highlighting the people and happenings of NTDC 2023. From Columbus, here's Jimmy Mack. We're at the NTDC 2023, and by the way, Eugene Malero has joined us. We talked to him just recently about this, but now we're in the middle of the action, and he just loves the action. And you guys literally are, by the way, over at Transport Topics. You guys are in the middle of all of this, aren't you? Tell us where you're set up to do all this. We're actually the media table in the middle of the driving floor. We're right there. We have Dan Ronan, our good friend. Fat guy. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> we love it. We have a four-man crew, and it's just that we We've been doing it for so many years. Our photographer, he's been doing NTDC since 2010, so he kind of has a secret handshake with a lot of the guys. And over the years, we've developed such a good, strong rapport with the organizers and the drivers. They kind of give us a lot of access. So we walk up to the drivers. We enjoy talking to the rookies, the first-timers at the event, but I personally get a better insight from the veterans. They've been here 10, 20 times, some of them. So their perspective, their insight as to how the tournament has evolved, over the years issues for me a student of the craft and commercial transportation and i just really got into this event i appreciate learning from some of the veterans and you spoke with several of them anthony spiro from connecticut roland bulldog yeah. and there's a real connection between them you were telling me on the hard break eugene malero joins us this morning there's a real connective tissue each one kind of gives way to the next we were talking about the godfather tony really is i mean he really is at the center of a lot of this there are hub guys here right there are guys who are at the center of of this coaching tree, those football coaching trees where, you know, right. where one person gives way to the next. Yeah. Belichick gives way to Saban. Saban gives way to so-and-so. That's right. But Tony really sits at the center of a lot of this, doesn't he? Yes. Anthony Spiro, Tony Spiro, he was the winner of the Professional Excellence Award at the last year's NTDC. That's the honorary Oscar. If right. you don't win Grand Champion, the committee says you're actually worthy of a Grand Champion, so here you go. Two yeah. points. He lost by two points. That's right. He does have one national title. I want to say maybe like 10 years ago he won the three axle or something like that but yes to your point he started like in the early 90s got involved in the precision driving tournaments and then he brought in Roland Bulldog from FedEx Express and then Karen Tierney out of Massachusetts and over the years he mentored a lot of them but his protégés even though Roland Bulldog is kind of like his contemporary he's somewhat of a quasi protégé of sorts it's like the Saban Belichick thing, where they are equals, but that last little push from Tony that kind of gets rolling in all of it. Yeah, right? and Roland, because of his most recent accolades, being the reigning national champion, Tony has never been a grand national champion. Roland gets a lot of the spotlight, but yeah, it's Tony Spiro, a guy who's really behind the scenes. Got a big moving ovation, from what I understand, at the last state championship he was in. I mean, a blue ribbon. So I was at the state championships, and he won. He is a grand champion out of Connecticut this year. And he got the top score, the best score out of the whole tournament. So it was like in the 300s. Rollins was like in the 280s, something like that. But then nobody else was like even close. Like he was the only one in the 300s. He got the best in show. And yeah, 
Everybody got up. They really acknowledged his contributions. He's the only person who got a standing ovation that day. It was in early June in Connecticut. I interviewed him afterward, and he was actually very emotional. He was holding back tears. Oh, we got to talking about yeah. his wife, by the way. And by the way, as an Irish Catholic, I can tell you this right there, Eugene. He almost had me. I mean, I came real close. He is very, very much connected to his family and yes. his friends, as are many people here. Oh, yeah. We're going to get completely in the weeds of this, and I get a chance to talk about all the great stuff. You are a student of this. You have come to love this deeply yeah once we find out we have a passion for something we try to find out as much as we possibly can about that something can you talk a little bit how you've been putting together a history of this how you've been doing the study how you keep filling in the gaps talk about i guess your historiography in regards to this approach yeah so in 2017 my after my first coverage in 2017 in orlando where roland won the national champion i kind of started digging background just because i wanted to learn more and then during my research i was very surprised there was not a history book a collection of the history of the tournament so i started contacting the organizers and i'm like where's the history where's all this stuff finally one of the organizers it actually this took several years it wasn't like right away they were like oh we have these archives come check them out i kind of had to like also build my trust finally one of the organizers says we don't have a collection of the history but i have all these programs from the 1930s crazy to me kind of put this in perspective and boy, talk about finding a gap. There's a great line from Shakespeare about a great gap in our feast. Because you come here, this is so well organized. Yep. The merch stuff is first rate. The grandstands are first rate. They've got you guys set up perfectly as a press. They understand how to basically lay this out. They know yep. how to put on a yep. great event. And not to have a history. Yeah, they didn't have a history book. Apparently in the 60s there was a project, but it really went nowhere. And they had something in the 90s, but that also kind of fizzled. And then one of the organizers just had it. This collection of letters from the organizers, all these anecdotes, all these paper clippings. And last year, the pandemic had a lot to do with it because I was one of those guys that always took for granted, like, next year we're going to have the Super Bowl. Next year we're going to have March Madness. And the pandemic, for me, psychologically, kind of just gave a better perspective of how precious time is. I don't mean to get philosophical. No, no, no. But it's like there's a great line I read in a book one time where it says, the things that one loves in life are the things that last because the people that love them make sure they do exactly and i think during the pandemic a lot of people realized how fragile exactly. life was yep. whatever you think about the pandemic guys a lot of people suddenly realized there are things that we care about and we have that can literally go away in the yeah. blink of an eye and if there is no record did it ever really happen you know what that's exactly my perspective at the time and i was like if now now when we need to put together this history project then i connected with one of the executive directors on the committee and i said you know what let's go to the archives. I kind of know how to put things together. It'll be a magazine style. That was like my craft and my talents come from. It took several months of just research and during the research we realized that this tournament was held at Madison Square Garden in 1941. Former mayor Fiorel LaGuardia the the little flower. The little flower was the one who (laughs) handed out the awards trophies. Secretaries of Transportation had been here over the years. Francisco Peña was uh, led a delegation from the White House.
emails from Bill Clinton at the time. Tom Donahue, who would go on to be the president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, he was the head of ATA, and he brought a whole bunch of dignitaries in the 90s. You saw how equipment had evolved, transportation equipment, safety equipment, and just the trucks had evolved over the years. And then even like gender politics, there were no women competitors till 1982. And the first woman competitor, her name was Norma Frost. My co-writer and I were really happy we kind of found her in the archives. This is why this stuff is so important, guys, by the way. Eugene Malero joins us. We're not going to take a break here. I want to kind of keep digging into this, and we're so thrilled. He's with Transport Topics. And also, we're going to call him the historiographer for the National Truck Driving Championships, not just 2023, but going all the way back in the day. This is why it's important, by the way, to do this work, because has a woman ever won this? What is the first woman to ever compete in this? All of those questions, if you don't keep up with the archives, then you don't have that information at your fingertips. And that's why it's so important to construct this. What have been some of the discoveries that you've made? I mean, you've said some of the Madison Square Garden administrations have been here. The little flower himself, the great mob buster, has been part of this. What are some of the discoveries that you've made that have been really exciting, where you're like, I had no idea, and that's a really kind of amazing thing? A very obvious one was that I started having fun with the writing, and I saw that there was a two-timers club who had won national grand champion trophies. Roland Bolduc is the most recent member of that two-timers club. Dick Gillespie is another member. Yes, he won in 80. The Grand Champion Trophy is innovated in 1987. It's pretty much a marketing campaign at the time to kind of get more people more excited about the event. And by the way, we always have to remember, because we do two versions of this show. The generalist version, where people are just kind of coming in and kind of getting their feet wet, and then the in the weeds. We're getting kind of in the weeds here. I know. There are ten championships to be won, if I'm getting this right. Nine individual Individual titles. And then a tenth one. So it's kind of like the Westminster Dog Show. They have the best sporting class and whatever. It's the winner of the three axes, the winner of the tanker truck, etc., the step van. So now the organizing committee has a formula based on the scores, and they tabulate this. They make the formula public. It's no secret. And then out of that, they come up with the best in show. And it's the person who had the best written score, who surpassed his class, his or her class. Well, we're talking about that with Tony, and that's a really important point here, too, guys. You could ace the truck driving part. You yep. could knock it out the park and not even come close to Correct. winning this thing if you don't have the written and the pre-trip, as I call it, the diagnostic. You're absolutely right. You'd rather to begin 85-85-85 than be a 70-95-70. Yeah, so you have some guys who are an amazing drivers. They can parallel park with their eyes closed, a big sleeper truck, but yet, did they do well in the written exam? Did they do well in the other disciplines? Not only that, but then within your class, to be in the running for national grand champion, you also have to beat your class by a lot of points. Let's <laughs> say you score like 63 points, like Michael Jordan, but your teammate scores 62, that actually hurts you. You actually want to have the second place in your class. You have to be Tyrannosaurus Rex your life. I mean, basically. Exactly, I mean, basically yeah. You have to pound the terra firma with everybody else, which means you've got to beat the best of the best by a big margin. By the way, I just want to let people know that the wave was, in fact, happening behind us as we spoke. Really? Over there. Yeah, actually, right as you was it. making that point, the wave just rolled across the grandstands. Okay. We're at the NTDC. I want to make sure, Eugene, that we actually do diligence to this as well. In regards to 
kind of covering the history of this. You're also covering the history of its evolving. What changes have you noticed since its inception in regards to looking at this, in regards to how it's grown and how it's changed, and where do you think the future lies? Because the history is always about not just then, yeah. it's about where we're going, because you can see the steps. What changes have happened over the last decades? Where do you think it's all leading? What I observed was in the late 90s, there was this effort by the committee to make the event more family friendly. Obviously, before the 90s, people brought their families here, but the event itself, the competition itself, was very rigid. Let me make this really clear, by the way. When we say family friendly, we don't mean this was a nasty, dirty, wasn't most icely from Star Wars. It was Wars. more like business class. You came here to compete. You did you your job, here. you went home. Yeah, exactly. And the course, we have these rubber duckies on the course now, and drivers have to avoid hitting them. That's part of the charm of the obstacle course. It's perfect, too, by the way, because even when you hit a rubber ducky, when you roll over it, it comes back, the ducky pops back up, so kids aren't trying. <laughs> traumatized by You're watching a duck right. There's souvenirs, there's a mascot, there's this mascot from ATA called Safety Sammy. So you could tell that it's more family oriented. And then over the years, the competitors have made this like their family vacation. That's a big thing, man. People get here Sunday, Saturday exactly. before they stay a couple of days. You and I talked about that, having a couple of days to kind of process yeah, this event. Exactly. Because, you know, you and I are going to go back to doing news, right? Back at to it. Don't you remind know. me. <laughs> I know it's okay. Yeah. I've always said what they're doing here is getting ready fun way for all the stuff they have to do on a daily. Exactly. Day. And then I think going into the future, I really do see more women qualifying for the tournament, more inclusivity. People who perhaps have been underrepresented in the industry, they're going to come and qualify for the event. This is a really great conversation because I actually was talking with Robert Foskey this morning. We were shooting the Shinola. He's know, the, a vice chairman of the committee. Yeah. Back in the day, people would midnight at the truck stop, shooting the breeze, having camaraderie. As we've gotten more technologies and much more kind of rigid sort of driving, what's the next fun thing? It seems to me that the industry understands that if we're going to have destinations where people can hang out and have fun, I think this is the future. I think you can't have this as a future if you're not being inclusive. You're absolutely right. Yeah. In 2007, the first African-American wins grand champion. His name is Alfonso Lewis. Oh, I know Alfonso. Yeah, he's America's road team. He's actually gives us one of the best anecdotes in the book. He talks about his grand champion run, how everything just kind of clicked for him. Mm-hmm. His secret to success to winning grand champion in 2007, he says, is that he finally was not intimidated by the competition. Like, he felt like he belong and he said when that mindset kicked in it just like the confidence just took over it's a weird thing it's an athletic thing too you become aware of your peripheral and less aware of the thing directly in front of you you kind of assume i've got that that's the thing i've got in regards to getting to my objective i'm going to get there it's all the stuff in your rear views yeah that you've got to kind of pay attention to because then when you start paying attention to that you're no longer thinking about the competition and when i interview the rookies the first timers at the event i personally sometimes i feel a little bad for them but some of the rookies that I interview here and over the years, it's their first time. So sometimes for them, sometimes it's the first time competing indoors. So the bright lights might overwhelm them. They have read in Transport Topics and other publications, they've read of Ina Daly and Roland Bulldog, and these guys can be like larger-than-life people if they look up to them. Did you see the picture that Jeremy took of Roland? Not yet. I'll send it to you, or you can just see it. It's basically Roland taking notes on the course. It's like that kind of maniac yep. stuff. Mad scientist, so evil Genius, yeah. course out there, huh? It is. The trick for the course, Roland and other top drivers have told me, is all about visual cues. So they study the course. They start all the marks so they know at this scratch on the floor, you make a turn. At this, this other scratch, you make a turn. It's all about your visual cues. 
and trusting your preparation. And then Roland will tell you, and you've talked to him, laser focus. Laser you know? focus is a big deal. We have to get back to our actual lives in just a little bit here. Just really quickly, Eugene, what stories are you going to be looking at once you get out of this wonderful world? I hate to bring you back to Earth, but what's next in Earth. regards to transport topics? You know what? So outside of the tournament, yeah. in the fall, Congress comes back after Labor Day. They have this fiscal 2024 funding obligations they have to do. They have a September 30th deadline to keep USDOT. They'll work it out. They have 12 legislative days. The Speaker of the House and the Majority Leader Chuck Schumer say they're getting together and they're going to do it. However, I don't have to tell anybody, this is not a news flash. Some people in Congress would love to burn the whole thing something down. Something like that. It's Wait. pretty much on my radar right now. Yeah, I think we're all kind of taking a look at that. But that's what's so important about these moments. Even for us, we spend so much time in the thick of things talking about Washington, D.C. and state houses and all that. Every once in a while, it's okay to come to Columbus, Ohio You're and right. just spend some time it. watching the best of the best kind of play out. Yeah. What are you looking forward to for today? You know what? Roland Boltic, uh, he drives in the Super Class. One of his main rivals, Eric Corville out of Louisiana, he also drives in the Super Class. And then just looking at who could make it to the finals tomorrow. Right now, there's a lot of buzz. So I'll work the crowd and just hear people. They'll say, like, so-and-so did well. So I kind of just pay attention to that. It's always good to see Eugene Malero. Got a chance to have dinner with him the other night. Always good finding time to talk with him as well. Thank you for all the work you do. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thanks for spending part of your day with Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo's coverage of NTDC 2023. Check back with us on podwheels.com for more of our podcast features as we work to take you inside the championship event. You can also keep up with all the episodes of this special event series by subscribing to this podcast. Just search National Truck Driving Championships and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.